Good evening, Patriots. That was Emery. So we're going to have a little discussion tonight. I think we'll dig into a little bit of Timothy, maybe some Matthew, a little bit of Proverbs. Kind of do a whole smorgasbord of passages I think will be good. Kind of look deeply at where our walk is with God. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation landing page on MyPillow. You can use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, for some incredible savings and the support of an amazing company and CEO, a company that actually prays, a CEO that actually walks with Christ. And with that, just an amazing number of products of great quality and just great, great savings. And you can enjoy all that savings by using your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, knowing that when you spend your dollars there, you're actually voting for liberty. And that's really an important principle in all that we do. We have to start putting our dollars in as votes. So right now there's an amazing deal going on at MyPillow. When every time you make an order there, you're going to get a copy of Mike Lindell's book for free, as long as you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, that book will be included for free with your order. It's a great book, a great story about his life, the challenges that he faced, both from drug addiction all the way up to CEO of a company, and just how God has led him in everywhere. And we just had that great interview with Mike Lindell last night. encourage you to listen to it if you haven't heard it. It's a great, great piece. And I really enjoyed, I truly enjoyed that interview with him. Is a different type of Mike Lindell. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Take advantage of some of the great savings and this great promo right now of getting with your purchase, getting a free copy of Mike's book with your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. The Founders Bible, thefoundersbible.com is another great product. It's the Bible for our time, NASB 1995 edition. And that's available at thefoundersbible.com. With your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you get 20% off. The Bible is printed in the United States. It's an NASB 1995 edition with our Founding Fathers documents integrated within. It's an amazing lesson in in the Word of God and in the way our Founding Fathers use Scripture as a living language. So again, thefoundersbible.com. Promo code BARDS, B-A-R-T-S. Finally, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. It's the coffee for our time, designed for the warriors of our time, and it's a healthy coffee. So you start with that, get a boost of that caffeine in the morning, and then additional, the natural products that are in it carry you sustained energy across the entire day, elevate your serotonin, enhance your immune system. So Expedition Coffee is literally the coffee for our time. And when you're there, check out the other products, which include the Gut Health Triad, which will help heal and seal your gut, Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract. We have Pure 47, which is a silver level, or refined nano level silver extract that will isolate the pathogens in your body, boost your immune system, and even isolate the SARS-CoV virus complement of crazy stuff that they're dumping at us. And we have Earth, which is a full-body nutrient powder. You just mix it with water, drink it like a shake each day. And great products keep you super healthy. I take all of them daily, have for months, and have nothing but positive things to say about them. So check it out, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. And I just want to highlight that everything that is, is promoted here, I've used and tried for months before it came on the channel. I continue to use it, and I continue to encourage you to try them out. They're good great products and really are worth uh, what they're there for. And when it comes to my pillow, it's a whole nother level of worth because it's everything Mike's doing for this country. One Timothy six ten for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We have to really grasp onto this principle for our lives and fortunes. We, we pledge our lives and fortunes. This was our founding father's principle. And I think it's important that we understand and appreciate all of what that is because it's not just pledging, it's also knowing that as you do that for the fight that we're in, we are making 
we're doing a fight in the name of God and we're trusting in God. And that's principally when we say that we have to understand as well that we're not expected to be hoarders in this world. Far from it. So when our finding fathers wrote, we mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They were doing that under the umbrella of God on the throne of this nation, which is what the Declaration of Independence establishes. So it's this principle is something that, by very nature of saying it, is itself very Christian. And as I've said many times, I don't know if I've said it on this channel, but I know I say many times around with, with friends and family, we live in a world right now where our savings accounts, we are more comfortable when our savings accounts are full and growing than when they're diminished. And in fact, scripturally, we should be another way. We should be have anxiety when our savings accounts are high, and we should have great comfort when our savings accounts are low. Because we know that we have then done what God would want us to do, which is to steward those gifts outward and to use those to, to use the things to enhance our gifts and talents, to enhance other people's lives. And that's a whole different principle on wealth. We live in a scarcity world. And in that scarcity world, everything we get, we try to cling on to. And that's by design. They keep us enslaved to the fear of not having anything. What we're witnessing right now in these movements that are happening around the world is there is a plentiful aspect that's coming out of this. By putting justice, by putting liberty first, by putting God first, most importantly, these things that are manifesting are people realizing there's things that are greater than the material things. They're greater than, as we heard in the last show, there was a great piece of the children. Children, they're actually from just north of Portland, Oregon, in fact, it was high school students that are doing a refusal to wear masks. And they expect to be kicked out, which they probably will. And that's fine. And But what they're realizing is it doesn't matter the blemish on their record. They're fighting for something greater. They're fighting for liberty. They're fighting for their future. And that has to be in the endemic to all of us right now. Part of that in in when I start with this thing of money that we get, we get limited by money. People, you know, I've talked about this and I, I'm not trying to, we have to be very careful when we talk about high levels of money, when people are hoarding it. And you have to be realistic about what people are allowed to do when they're paid it. If you're, if you're building a business and you gain a lot of wealth, look at the Mike Lindell and how he, he constantly is pushing his wealth outwards, whether it's the 80,000, pillows that he sent to Hurricane Harvey or the 10,000 pillows that he sent down after the Kentucky tornado or whether it's the thousands of dollars that he puts out for Patriot events or the millions of dollars that he's pumped into the investigations of the election fraud or the millions of dollars that he's pumped into getting servers so there can be a free speech site, frankspeech.com. That's somebody who's using, and he even said it, he sees his role that God gave him as, a, as one he must use that platform to bring things back to that revival and that love in Christ Jesus. And that's the way we all should be, every one of us, because the way that we are as a beings are giving, and as we give more, we transform this world in amazing ways. But when we begin to hoard and we retract into ourselves, we're not ministering anymore, we're not reaching out, we're not being disciples, we're, we're being misers, we're being hoarders, we're being keepers of money, we're being bankers, we're being the tax collectors. And that's something we have to think very, very carefully about because ultimately it ties in with Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will de be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money. That is such an important point. God gives us money. And as you heard Mike say last night, which I can, I mean, I use the same terminology and same concept. Who's the CEO of my business? And I've obviously my business is not as big as Mike's company of 2,700 employees. But what does he say? God is the CEO. And I fully agree with that. We have to get to the perspective that we're looking 
to God to be in these key command positions in our life. The company, the whatever I have as a small business, that's God's business. I'm stewarding that business. If it's my house is my house to steward, but it's God's house. He's who's paying the mortgage. And when we gain this perspective here, and it's important to grasp that we are putting the right placement of what our role is here. We're stewarding things. God doesn't want us to be poor. God doesn't want us to have with, go without. That's none of that. But as we take the philosophy of stewarding, it's a very different place. We should be looking constantly to help others is the point of that. And in whatever form we can. But we don't want money to be the hindrance. Obviously, you have to put food on the table. Obviously, you have to pay bills. I think I told you this story. It was a great story from South. I, I, as I recall the story, it came from South Georgia. It could have been in like South Carolina. Um, but a young white kid came into a very passionate black congregation with a very passionate pastor, Southern Baptist style. And he listened to this sermon and he was so moved <laughs> by the sermon. When the offering plate came around, he put in his wallet, he put in his keys, he gave him everything. And so he got up to leave and realized he didn't have any money and he didn't have any way home. And the pastor was good. And he said, come here. He says, take your keys and take your wallet. Thank you. But this isn't the way we give. And, and that's a correct statement. I mean, I just, you can appreciate the passion because we've all been around those powerful sermons where we feel like just getting up and saying, screaming, amen. And who knows what else comes with that. But, the critical piece to all of this is truly to be connected in a way that we're finding that constant balance and that nudge by Father to move forward and to give what we can. Proverbs 33, 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the fruit, first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In an agriculture sense, so much of the tithing was easy to administer. You could take away part of your first harvest. You could, you would, it was easy to identify. I, I told you I have a friend, and I, I say this because I know I've told this story a couple of times, and I, I love this scene, and I I. And both of the pastor and both the pastor and my friend, I love them both. They're great people. But it was such an interesting moment in church because the pastor was talking about tithings. And is all pastors anymore pretty much are all part of a 501c3 model. So tithings are ultimately going to be taking the form of money, which, as you know, I'm very opinionated about because I think that tithings need to come from the heart and it. And administering should not be based on a 501c3 church. You know that. But anyway, all that aside, as the pastor is administering administering about tithings, my close friend raised his hand and he says, I have a question. And the pastor said, yes. He said, what is it? He says, can I give you a cow? And he says, you want tithings? He says, I have a herd of, I have a herd of cattle. And that would be my first my first produce, my first fruits, I would like to give you a cow. And the, the crazy part is that the, the pastor really didn't know what to do. <laughs> he kind of stumbled with it. He says, well, um, I, I guess, so you can bring it up back. But see, that's, that is the true sense of tithing. It was an amazing offer to give one of your cattle to the church, one of your cows to the church, all right? It's very much old way. But today everything's translated to money, which we know how that works. And we know that Christ flipped tables. And someone just asked, did he have a cow? Yeah, my friend had a whole herd of cattle. He's still he's a cattle rancher. He's good. So, so it is essential that we keep our perspective the reason I'm bringing all this up is when we look at what's going on right now in Canada and we should look around ourselves, the greatest win up there has nothing to do with masks. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID policies or 
reducing the mandates. Those are, those are frivolous topics. They're government invented. People should just defy them anyway. And had Canada or the United States or Australia or any other country around openly defied these mandates, we would not be here. But all of these countries combined across the globe have forgotten something. God gave us our rights. God gave us our liberties. Governments didn't give them to us and governments can't take them away. But we get hooked around the the traps of this world. And those traps include things like the worship of money. And we forget the importance of giving. And we start to hoard within us and we forget to share our first fruits. And we end up serving money and all the things that are tied to money, which are the things, the job, the benefits, the bonuses, the mortgage, the car place, all these things that we shouldn't be in debt for anyway. But we've convinced ourselves over time that that's the only way to live. It's their way to live and their way to enslave us. It's not God's way. Quite frankly, it, if we're living and walking in Christ and we are carrying heavy debt in our lives, we're in a contradiction with, with the word of God. We have to do something about it. We should be obligated and we should all be working aggressively, not just a head nod, but aggressively to eliminating any and all debt, which means changing lifestyles too at times. That's how we have to walk. Because once we free ourselves from debt, that's the first step in not being owned by them. There's many layers they have put into this system to control us, to own us. And, and that's, that's worthy of a, probably a week worth of shows and probably a good few weeks worth of reading. The fact is, though, that our relationship with God, if it's going to be pure, can't be convoluted with the mixed-up worships that we have. And we do have them. All of us have them. We struggle with understanding a relationship of whether of a thing and a relationship to God, an idol and a relationship to God. We do this a lot. And what I'm, what's witnessing right now across the space is people are focused now, on starting to focus, I should say, on the bigger topics. The youth up at the high school that are making a walkout tomorrow not to wear masks, they're not pursuing the teachers, they're pursuing the policy and the principles that are taking away their liberties. That's big. Now that doesn't excuse teachers and it doesn't excuse police officers and it doesn't excuse politicians for being hand puppets of the execution of these draconian rules. But the fight has to begin with a perspective of what we're truly trying to achieve. God put us here effectively behind enemy lines. We are to occupy the land and to secure the kingdom and to secure dominion over evil. Those are powerful statements. And if we're going to fight that fight, we can't be sitting here worrying about whether I am going to use $10 in my account for somebody or skip my coffee or buy my coffee and maybe 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 not buy a latte for the homeless guy or whatever. We, we have to be looking to help one another as constantly as we can. Here's some insight into a conflict. When you get into a gunfight, I will tell you right now, there's nothing else that matters in the world except your relationship and clarity and achieving the mission and coming home alive. You don't care about your family, at least not in those moments. You don't, I should say care is not the right term. You don't worry about your family. You don't worry about your house mortgage. You don't worry about your car payment. You don't worry about credit cards. You don't worry about what type of shoes you're wearing. Principally, you worry about defeating an enemy and coming home. Now, that's hyper-focused in the moment, and it's easy to explain it when you're having RPGs fly at you or grenades being thrown at you or RPK or PKM rounds being fired at you. Or you've got some Chechen sniper sitting up on the rock at 1,200 meters or longer shooting a Dragunov at you. I mean, these are real, okay? And it gets very real when you start to hear those rounds zinging by your ear and there you don't miss it when, when it's happening. So 
in this fight, it's difficult though, because there is not, there is actually that sort of lethal threat. It's happening right before us. We know what it is. It's the vax, but it's also 5g and it's also AI. And it's also those that are trying to enforce the rules to make you comply to those things. Unfortunately, they're woven in and around a, a tapestry in our world. It's composed of the Walmarts, the McDonald's, the Taco Bell, the Burger King, the Costco's, the, and the list goes on, the Kroger's. So it is a complete deception. We're not seeing the enemy because we're not able to separate our enjoyment, our artificial pleasure fulfillment of shopping and seeing life as normal and pretending that there's no threat. But there's a bigger threat ever now than there has ever been in any war that I've been in or any war that I know of my buddies have been in. This threat is real because what's real about this threat is it's everywhere. And it's hard to identify. It's hard to see. And the worst part is that those that see it are a minority among a field of compliant monkeys. This is where we require that discernment and that relationship with God. And the only way that we can break through people is to use the greater gifts that we have. When people, when you're approaching somebody and you're talking to somebody about the truths of life, and we'll just take the vax because no one can avoid it, this injection, they don't want to hear you if they've taken it or if they don't believe, if they don't want to believe in it, they are literally denying you an access to hearing you. And there's a reason for this. Our worship sits with Christ and in the principle of worshiping deeply with Christ in an intimate relationship with Christ, we're constantly opening up our heart and we're constantly putting ourselves before the mirror, so to speak to reflect deeply on who we are, at least we should be, and giving testimony to ourselves and to Christ to be honest, to seek forgiveness and repentance, because that process makes us stronger. We are less than, we are no longer bound, or at least we are, are the bindings that we have diminish each day as we openly admit to our shortcomings to Father, they are forgiven and we stand up and each day it's like shedding a little bit of that outer layer until we get down more and more closely to that beautiful creation which God created us in. The problem is we're dealing with people all around us that are not even close to that place. In fact, it's quite to the contrary. They've created a shell around them, which is an encasement. And that encasement has a very specific story. And that story is the story that they're living in that keeps them safe within boundaries. And truth, when the truth comes to that, truth quite literally threatens the solidity and stability of the case that they're living in. So when we speak truth, it is literally repelled and rejected. In fact, they could hear you and they still actually aren't hearing you. It's bypassing them. If you've seen people that are going through what we triggered and meltdowns, and we all laugh at it, but it's actually pretty tragic when you get down to it because people that have been melting down, we call the the liberal tears or the liberals that have a, a, a fit. We see it a lot. What you're seeing there is somebody who is in physical pain. I'm very serious about this because what's happened is every bit of truth that they were built on has collapsed and they don't know what to do. They have nothing to hang on to. And in that moment of not being able to hang on to anything, the world is literally for them falling apart. It's scary. It's frightening. It's painful. And pain and anger and pain and fear always breed another emotion, which is anger. These are things that cannot be forgotten as we are dealing with so many people right now with this problem of of blindness, would be another way to put it. They're literally consumed in these narratives that are fake and false. They're following a blind narrative. And they find the attraction to worship the things that keep them there. They will worship money over God. 
They will worship things over a relationship with the Holy Spirit. These are, these are the traps that they get caught in, but it's not just getting caught in. They choose to stay there because it's the place that they are safest. It's a place where they can face the world honestly. Unfortunately, they don't even appreciate what's said in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Beautiful words. And we should be using these scriptural words as ways to reach people. But we have to address what's keeping them there before they'll ever hear what we want to say. And what is that? What is the way to that? That's discipleship. That's ministry. And what's a way to get there? Sharing of the fruit, first fruits and our wealth. Wealth meaning not just money. Don't, when we say wealth, we always go to that place. It's like dollars. Okay, what's in my bank account? And I used that example early on from just to make a point. But wealth is wealth from our heart. Wealth is wealth of the love that God gives us. Wealth is the wealth of our gifts and talents. Sometimes the best way to get to somebody is a chocolate chip cookie. I'm serious. Maybe they don't like chocolate chip. Maybe they like oatmeal. Maybe your neighbor's a vegan and he doesn't want anything to do with anything that doesn't fit vegan. Okay. You know what? I I have done it. I've made stuff. I don't like it typically, but I've found recipes that like that. Well, okay, I'll make something that's vegan I'm not, and I'll share it. It's the acts like that that crack the outer shell. They crack it because they don't understand why people would do an act of kindness for them when they don't even really know you. That's the power of agape love. Because there's no shield that they have in the shields of fear and hatred and anger. There's no shield that they can build that can withstand that attack. They can resist it. They can deflect it for a time. But a persistent push of true-natured love, of sharing the wealth which God gives us, truly cracks through some of the hardest shells out there. I think the thing that we all have to really be challenged with, though, is how we got here. Consider Galatians 5, 7 to 10. You were running a good race, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. It's a pretty loaded passage. This is Galatians 5, 7 to 10. It's a fairly loaded passage. It gives us a lot of insight into God's love. If you've made bread, you know that you need a little bit of yeast and it will go through the entire loaf. It doesn't matter whether your loaf is three cups of flour or 12 cups of flour. That tablespoon of yeast or that cup of, of sourdough starter is going to eventually go through all of it, and it's all going to be leavened. That's God's love. And when you look at a bread, you can't tell in a loaf of bread whether one has more yeast or not. It doesn't work like that. The whole loaf of bread leavens together. That's us as people. That's God's children. So we got here because somebody cut in on the truth and most of what all of us have been doing in the last five, six years is trying, and maybe longer, but we've been trying to get back to obeying the truth. And the funny part about that is it never was very hard. It really centers back on the love of, of the root of money and the choice of what masters we serve. And the third part of that was, are we giving? If we choose to keep our master, our choice between two masters and be very clear who our only master is, and that's God, and through God, 
to Father is Christ. And if we're looking at the wealth, whatever form it takes, whether your wealth is the bounty of your garden, the wealth is the bounty of your honey hive, the wealth is the bounty of your bank account, whatever that is, if we're looking at all of these things as God's gifts to us, then we have to begin to look at how we steward each thing, not for ourselves, but for the greater part of God's children, who we encounter. It doesn't have to be like the whole city of Chicago, but it's who we encounter. And that's a stewardship issue that we then begin to push outward rather than to retract and keep inward. We don't know, we don't miser, instead we share. And so in those paths, we're not given the temptations of falling in the pit that they're being pulled to. We know that when fear comes, we know where to turn to God for comfort. We know that power of love. And in turn, we have to bring that outward to those that are wandering in fear because we need to bring them home. We're all part of ourselves. Every one of us right now has ebbed and flowed in this process in the last 18 months, 20 months, 50, 50 months, whatever. We have seen the extremes of the radical left which are really nothing more than just extremes of the deep state, being used in ways to provoke violence and still hatred. But I, and I will openly admit, I have not done this enough, if at all, really. But how many times do we pray for Antifa? And how many times do we pray for BLM? And how many times have we made an attempt, rather than just talking rhetoric, to sit down and break bread and just talk about a movie? with one of them. But what we see them as is we see them as agents of evil. And to a certain degree, they have represented that. I'm not taking that away. But we have to be greater in strength than that in as we walk in this place of discipleship. If you think about Paul, consider what I'm going to say. Paul was slaying Christians until God called him. And then... and. Paul was pursued. I don't know if you knew this. Was Paul was pursued by a batch of assassins that claimed that they would never sleep until they killed him. This man was, he was not in, these weren't weak people. Christ was not a weak man. He was a carpenter by trade. He was very strong, well-built, and was a warrior. Paul himself was a warrior. Peter drew the sword. It's something we overlook. In the garden, Peter drew the sword and sliced the ear off of one of the guards. I don't know if you've handled a sword sword lately. I have. And I will tell you, that's not just a common skill. It's not like you just pick up a sword and go, okay, yay, today I'm going to swing a sword. That's not the way it works. That was a very precise cut. In other words, he was martially trained. These were mighty warriors, and yet they were humble enough to go places that fearlessly, to go in and around the Romans and build small churches and to have time and compassion, to be inter- intimate with Father, to speak gospel rather than speak the sword of the steel. I mean, these are powerful things, and we can learn from this if we will really do this. If if we took this approach to all of this, I'm not telling you that the evil is going to run away. I'm going to tell you that the evil is going to be broken. There's a difference. And when, when I talk about this fight, which raises this bar to say we have to put God first, it's not just a fiduciary responsibility. This is the way we fight and the power that we bring. David proclaims the Lord in front of Goliath, but he doesn't wait for God to call him. He steps up as a mighty warrior to say, you have defamed my God. You will do it no more in the name of Israel. Paraphrasing, of course. And in those moments, that power of what we are comes forward in us. We have to be able to go greater. I will tell you, one of the great eye-openers I had was when I was working on 
some in support of President Trump's campaign. I was not working for his campaign. I started my own super PAC, Unaligned, and we did a tour through the Midwest. And we were meeting with a, a numbers of people. We met with gang leaders. We met with militia leaders. I mean, we don't think about this. We met with people that were completely down and out. What I found in that tour was a love for a nation in all those sectors, even when you talk about gang members. Because they didn't want it for their children. They were fierce. These people were some tough guys. But they didn't want it for their children. And we make these stereotypical assumptions just like we, we think of things in terms of material and monetary too often rather than looking at what's truly within God. We're back to that comment about the yeast and the bread. God's love is in everybody if they reach it. It doesn't matter whether you're a gang member. So we say, well, gang members killed people. I'm going to say it again. Paul slayed Christians and then became one of Christ's disciples. We have to seek the grace that God can give us, and we have to rise to a greater way, and we have to walk in a more difficult path now if we want to win this war. Canada has put a light on this in a great way because as a nation, it's not raising up arms. It's raising up defiance. And that's the defiance that's the right type of defiance because it's defiance against tyranny. Now, if we add to that the glorification of God, the singing of hymns, the use of prayer, the use of scripture, and we're approaching things with the boldness of our disciples, patriots, there's no stopping, literally, what we can do. Because even when we hit an obstacle, all we have to do is remember Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. I've told you my story, and you can hear it in episode 64. I got thrown in jail for 20 days. And in the moment that that door shut and I faced before me what was truly everything in my head about the greatest fear I would ever have in being in jail was God put right before me. A skinhead with a Nazi swastika on the back. And I thought it was going to be one miserable fighting night or days ahead. And every stereotype I had ever had came right before me and I was looking at my stereotypes in raw flesh. With that was a mixture of anxiety, anger, fury, because everything that that was representing was everything not that I was. And then these words were spoken. He looked at me. Chris Metzger was his name. And he said, good thing God put us together as a celly. God puts us together for amazing ways. Patriots, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm about right then. I'm not kidding you. I, I just, I had no idea what just happened. And I was like, what in the world just happened? You just spoke godly words out of somebody who I, who shouldn't be doing that. And yet they were godly words. And over the next couple of days, Chris pulled out scriptures that he had handwritten. He couldn't get a Bible in where he was. And where we were, there was no, at that point, there was no Bibles. The guards weren't giving Bibles. They wouldn't let him have one. Stupid stuff that they do in jail. And we shared scriptures. And we talked about Christ. And we talked about the relationship. And you know what? He was a great guy. He, he had had a youth that he went a wrong way. And then... He started a, a good company, and then he stumbled again. He was open about it. Most honest person, one of the most honest people you meet. And, the, and you'll hear people tell you this, and prisoners aren't honest, they're going to grift you. And it's like, okay, whatever. 
I, in, while I was in jail, I met the head of the Crips. He was a, one of the Crips head enforcers. That means he was one of the assassins for the Crips in L.A. This guy had the Bible literally memorized. I am not kidding you. You could start a passage and he would finish it. And openly admitting that he had made his wrong errors. And this is why he was there, to do his repent, his penance. See, we build these stereotypes around people. And we forget the lessons, that, the deeper lessons of our disciples and what Christ is trying to tell us and what God is trying to tell us. And in order for us to really win this war, we're going to have to find the deeper ways to come together. There have been some really bad decisions made by a lot of people at this VAX. And those are going to leave some heavy wounds that we have to get through. But we can because God will guide us and because forgiveness is a process that we work with God and he wants us to forgive because we will learn a greater part of our walk. And we've made our own mistakes. And I think that part of it, and I, and we're all guilty in one way or another, we tend to put ourselves on a pedestal as if we all made the right decision. This decision of this injection is a big deal, okay? Many were deceived. Many were running in fear. What we have to do now is to pull people from that fear. And to do that, we have to go places that we don't want to go. Could you imagine Paul going back into these places where they knew his reputation as the slayer of Christians to go and speak the word of God? Can you imagine the humility that that took and the strength that that took? We, we gloss it over in the, in the stories of Paul. It's like, oh, yeah, he's over here. He's in jail now. That's unbelievable. He had people that literally hated him. So this is the sort of strength that we have to find within us. So I'm going to read Galatians 5, 7 to 10 one more time. I want you to listen to it carefully now. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Our role is to stay true. Our role is to trust in that amazing love that God gives us. Our love, our role is to be strong like warriors and to go places where we're not comfortable going. And to find the way to address people's fears. They're not going to hear truth until we address fear or anger or hatred that they have. But whatever that shell is made of, we have to find a way to crack it. Because God has put that yeast of love in every one of us. It just needs to be activated. And sometimes, like I said, it's just a cookie and a cup of coffee and a conversation about the recipe and how you made the, made the batch. Sometimes it's just that simple because we need to show that we care. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And it is not an easy time for all of us as we all, Lord, all of us, grow. We've been cast into this melee by an enemy that is counting on us, not being able to let go of the scars, the anger, the baggage that they created, but that we took on. And so, Lord, tonight we pray just for the clearing of those spaces, the unburdening of hearts. We ask for forgiveness on our hearts. And we ask for that warrior spirit to come forward to give us the courage and the strength and the clarity, that decisive attitude to go in and relentlessly pursue not just truth, but to bring with us compassion. 
to bring with us empathy. And Lord, we pray that you'll carry with us grace. These are not easy times. And we're honest about that. And we all stumble, Lord. And for those moments where we have stumbled, and they are many, forgive us for our transgressions. We're trying to meander a space which is as difficult as it could possibly be, at least for us, Lord, and maybe not for you, and maybe not for others. But as we walk this path, it is a challenging path to find a true space, to keep the balance of compassion and empathy with the balance of warrior and strength. But ultimately, that is the gift, to walk as Christ walked. And so, Lord, we thank you for all that has been given. We thank you for all sacrifices made. And we say these things in your Son's holy name. Our King and our Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. This is a, we will all grow from this in a good way. And every one of us has a place to grow every single day from this. And some days we don't want to grow <laughs> because we're all like that. We're all like, yeah, not today. <laughs> I'm not doing this today. And that's okay too. Because God knows that. The most important thing is that when we are having those conversations with the Lord, what I would encourage everybody is to have those honest conversations with the Lord. Be truthful about how you feel. And it's not about, Lord, fix this. Lord, what do I do? Because we have to keep in mind that many of the things that are done are done because we need it. Sometimes the crises we face are not about God fixing it. So when when someone asks for prayers, I, I try to find out the intent of what they are seeking for prayer. Because I need to understand where they're coming from before I can just cast out prayers. Because that's just kind of like randomly shooting in the sky with a shotgun. And you can do that. You can sit outside of your house and you can shoot the shotgun all day long. And that flock of geese might luckily fly through it. Or you can be a hunter in a good way. And you can identify what the intent and the what the intent is that somebody's seeking. And you can help that in that conversation. Maybe the intent is not as you see it, and sharing that conversation is good. That's the same way with conversations with God, at least as I see it. Because if we're not going to be honest, and I've had some, wow, I've had some really interesting conversations with God when I'm honest. But I'm, that's my heart. And he gave me that heart. And if he gave me that heart, then I have to be able to show him what's truly in that heart. And sometimes that heart isn't all love and roses because I think we all think we have to do that. It's like, well, I don't have anything nice to say. Just speak truth. Try that. And speak truth to Father because he is your Father. And he wants to live in that moment with you, to experience that with you, to know where you are. And as we speak that truth, even if that truth is not scriptural is formed by scriptural words sometimes it might just be downright ugly and sometimes it can be downright angry and sometimes it might just be hurt that you feel but just talk and let God hear you and in that process ask him to tell you to talk to you don't just wait ask This is our father. We're building a relationship. And in building that intimate relationship, we have to know, he has to know us as we, he knows, we need to know ourselves as he knows us. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. Prayers, are so important and truthful prayers and conversation to build that intimacy so that our feet get settled deep on that rock of faith. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. I've said this before, the only forsaking comes from us. So we have to dig in deeper to trust. 
And as we walk with him and as we trust in him and we're empowered by him and we're truly digging in and doing our part in this time, that walk ahead is fearless. And it's truly a walk of a warrior. So have a blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow night for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now Thank you.